Welcome to the November 1st edition of the PFF Forecast. It's going to be a great show because the Raiders gifted us with an absolute content factory. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will talk about uh, the Raiders, some conspiracy theories, perhaps. Uh, a little trade deadline recap with our guy Brad. Uh, talk about some key injuries. Josh Allen showed up on the injury report this week as a DNP. We will do our same game parlay narratives with Judah. And of course, we'll pick the locks of the week. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. Uh, 1 a.m. Um, Eastern time, 10 p.m. Pacific time. Most people are in a candy coma at that point. Um, potentially Josh McDaniels as well. I thought some of the best reporting on this done by uh, the great PFT commenter. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go look it up and read the story about how Josh McDaniels got fired. Um, my, my question to you, Brad, is um, how uh, quickly... Do we get Tom Brady rumors? I haven't seen any yet. And um, is there anything about this story that makes any sense to you? Actually pretty shocking. We haven't had first the, is Tom Brady going to come step in and play quarterback or B like, did Tom Brady feel bad about like executing his former offensive coordinator and, and player personnel guy and Dave Ziegler? Uh, I'm sure he had, I'm sure he was asked his opinion at the very least by Mark Davis. Um, yeah. The people are falling asleep at the wheel here. Tom Brady should be the number one topic does it make sense. I mean, yeah, like the locker room was clearly 110% lost. I, I laughed out loud at Josh Jacobs' quote after Monday night when they were like, what do you guys need to do to fix the offense? And he was like, I don't know. It's not my job. <laughs> like, So it's like, yeah, are they going to win a bunch of games? They didn't O'Connell? No, but there's no reason not to just pull the trigger here. I'm sure Devontae Adams' happiness is the number one priority, and I'm sure he's ecstatic uh, walking into the building this morning, fresh Halloween candy, and no longer working with a, a horrendous uh, head coach. Their offense was such a complete joke. But Judah, I owe you some credit here because you you brought up this topic, uh, which is Tom Brady, not yet right officially an owner of, of the Raiders. But um, let's take a look at the at the Raiders for a second. Their defense inspired. They played inspired ball against the Lions. I, Lions were home, coming off an embarrassing loss, full strength, and if it had not been for the Raiders' offense being totally inept. The Raiders defense gives him the chance to win that game. Max Crosby is – it is a shame that he is not considered one of the best defensive ends in the entire NFL because he is outstanding. But now let's look at the offense. Look at this offensive line here. Green across the board. Colton Miller, third out of 75 left tackles. Very – I don't know that there are any, maybe outside of the Eagles, any offensive lines with green PFF grades across the board. Jacoby Myers, excellent wide receiver too. Hunter Renfro, his talent being wasted. You know who is a great quarterback at getting a lot out of shifty white slot receivers? Tom Brady. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams would be the best receiver this side of Randy Moss. I, and I think you could make a case. I mean, Randy Moss was at the tail-ish end of his career when he was there. De like, would be an elite weapon that you probably haven't seen this side of, of Moss or Gronk or even close to that outside of those guys. So I would say this supporting cast, Tom Brady's won Super Bowls with way less. Am I wrong? 
No. Thank you. All right. So Tom Brady in a, in a Raiders uniform, uh, book it. We'll see it very soon. Looking forward to that because Aiden O'Connell does not make my Devontae Adams shares jump for joy. That's for sure. Um, let, let's do a, a quick talk about the trade deadline, just in terms of like from a betting perspective, was there anything here that moved the needle either for this week or, you know, potentially going forward from a futures perspective? Um, I assume we'll all start with Josh Dobbs at going to Minnesota, but uh, let me start with you, Judah, actually here, since Brad has talked about the trade deadline until he's been blue in the face. Um, anything that you took away from this that you think has a betting impact? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if this was a function of the trade deadline or just like regular early week moves, but the fact that New England is now a three and a half point favorite against Washington uh, to me is kind of outrageous <laughs> considering the state of the, uh, the Patriots offense and like, the Washington defense has been bad for a while. Uh, I'm not sure how much worse it could get uh, against, uh, you know, New England. Um, yes, they traded, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, I don't think that's really going to, to make a huge deal. And, like, if anything, there are some real positive uh, buying signs from, from Washington, which we'll discuss in a minute. Uh, I think kind of looking at the futures market, there wasn't really a, like, Maybe the, the like biggest move was uh, San Francisco getting Chase Young. Like, is anyone you know really really upgrading them because of that? I don't think so. It, it could be a nice piece, uh, maybe help them on the margins, but it's nothing to, to kind of trigger a big bet. Brad, what do you think? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was the only move I think that impacts a true winner, uh, like a contender. The Bills getting Rasul Douglas is a nice move. They needed a cornerback. He's, I think, a perfect fit in, in that zone scheme with, with Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Um, has been very good on the inside and the outside the last couple of years in Green Bay. So outside of that, though, it's like the biggest move of the day was Montez Sweat going to a 2-6 and six team. So from a future standpoint or from like a, a teams that actually matter in the grand scheme of 2023, um, not really. Uh, you know, Like you said, Josh Dobbs keeps the, the Vikings season afloat. Um, maybe your, your Minnesota Vikings NFC North future isn't quite dead just yet, uh, but that, that's about it. It's totally dead. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. Um, so, look, I think the one that people will all point to is the Niners getting Chase Young. My, my concern is less to do with the pass rush and more to do with their, their coverage and, and tackling you know, issues right now. But this is always the way that the Niners have approached defense, right? It's like the best coverage is a pass rush that gets there in, you know, two seconds. If Chase Young is healthy and they don't suffer injuries on the back end, I do think that that is a, a move that could impact, you know, a, a game in the playoffs or going down the stretch or them getting the, the first seed, for example, in the NFC. Um, but, but I would lean towards the, the teams that picked up um, secondary help, right? I think, you know, you look at the Eagles picking up Bayard, you look at the the Bills, I think the Bills picking up Douglas. Douglas is a top 15 graded corner this year, so he's playing really, really well, and that's been an area that's been a real weak spot for them, um, and look, they're going to have to beat, you know, it looks like probably the, the Bengals, right? And the Bengals have filleted them through the passing game, so I thought that was a really uh, big, impactful move as well, um, but I, I honestly don't know if there's a move more impactful than getting rid of Josh McDaniel. 
that was the biggest move of the day, or I guess I say the the night, the the yeah, the dawn, biggest day of the dawn for sure. Yeah, no, the the corner thing is huge. I think San Francisco was in the mix on Jalen Johnson, but I think they bowed out fairly early. Them and Philly. I think it ultimately came down to Buffalo and actually Pittsburgh. I think may have been the closest at, at, at the bitter end there. But Ryan Pohl said today he wanted a late first or an early second, and I don't think that was going to happen as good as Johnson is. So. Yeah, no, nothing super, super impactful, but those moves do matter. Like, the Buffalo one for me in particular, like, they they needed to do something like that. And like you said, Douglas is playing very good football right now. It gets them back on track. And, yeah, a huge matchup this weekend. Josh Allen doesn't practice today with that shoulder. I think you re-aggravated against Tampa. Um, that probably is the most impactful move for a contending team. I guess, yeah, Chase Young as well, because now, you know, they, they have secondary issues, but – if they can get pressure on every single drop back, then maybe it doesn't matter quite as much. Um, and like you said, he'll have a couple like super high leverage splash plays that could swing a game and impact seeding, impact the divisional round, something like that. Um, let's talk a little bit about injuries because I mentioned the Josh Allen one at the top here. He has been dealing with a shoulder for a little while. I think Jalen Hurts, it's been noted, has been dealing with some injuries as well. Curious what information you have, Brad, and like, I always struggle with how we weigh these things because like take Mahomes being sick, like, Oh, Mahomes is sick. Yeah. But Mahomes is also like the Michael Jordan of football. So like, how do I, you know, how do we weigh any of these things? But curious, especially with these guys that are, you know, winning with their legs in so many key situations um, and, and what you've heard on those injuries. Yeah. So Allen is a shoulder and, you know, I think he was good last week. Tampa, even though he was already dealing with it at that point, going into a Thursday game. So it's obviously not great to see on extended, you know, kind of rest him still dealing with something there. He's certainly going to play. And he mentioned the scrambling and the running element. Like it's weird. It's a shoulder, but that still to me is a bigger impact. He has 19 touchdown passes on scrambles the last three seasons, most in the NFL by a comfortable margin. Number two is his opponent in, in Joe Burrow. So like that, that is a big element where he's not going to probably run to the goal line things of that nature, and this Bills offensive line against, you know, the Bengals D-line with Trey Hendrickson playing out of his mind right now. Like, it, it is a concern if he's not 100%. Other big ones across the NFL, uh, well, I'll start with, I always start with Thursday. I think Cam Hayward is back for Pittsburgh, which to me makes their defensive line, I don't know, top five, clearly top five, arguably top one unit in the NFL at full strength now. Um, Kenny Pickett is going to play. He had a rib injury, but he's going to play in the game, has no designation. And then Tennessee, it's kind of clean. You're getting Will Levis, all those things. Nobody else really impacted. The last big one is Deshaun Watson was a, was a full participant in practice today, or maybe limited, but I, I read a report he took all the first-team reps with the, with, with the uh, starting offense, so I guess he's playing in that game. Um, otherwise, I, I don't think there's much you know, super impactful injuries of note. I've got, I've got one question. Do we know anything about Matthew Stafford? Yeah, it's going to be mine. I don't think he's going to play. They, they talked about even him potentially going on IR. He is not now going on IR, but yeah, my bad. I, I missed that one. I think we're going to get Brett Rippon uh, versus Jordan Love, one of the about a half dozen glorious quarterback matchups we're looking at this weekend. What a Rippon and Jeterin. That is, uh, that is rough. Yeah, I remember we were talking about this on Sunday night. I did not think that, that he was going to play. And man, I think this is a this is how it falls apart, right? And this is where, when we talked about the low case for the Rams, which it's so funny how people overreact to week one, right? Like week one, the Seahawks were dead. The Rams and Stafford was an MVP candidate. And like, you know, it's good to remember, I think Stafford has just has been such a warrior, but the dude gets banged up like 
bad. And that O-line was, was a recipe for disaster for him. Um, I, I think that the smart move certainly is to, to play Brett Rippon. And if Cooper Cup has any sort, I mean, he's been non-existent in the past couple of weeks. If he has any kind of nagging injury, you got to shut him down too. I think you got to think about shutting down Aaron Donald. Um, like, I don't know what you're playing for because you're running older guys out there. The only thing that you can do is damage their, their future potential. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. I, I, I still think there's a case for them to, given how weak the NFC is with Brett Rippon. No, not with Brett Rippon, but if they okay. got to buy next week. Uh, they're not dead. Even if they lose this week uh, and they're not even such huge underdogs, I don't think they're, they're throwing it in. They're throwing the flag in yet, but. I don't think they are. I think they should. Um, but remember, you don't coach our bets. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. We are on to week nine. Um, if you have not yet joined the Printing Press Discord, you absolutely should. Um, it is uh, The season is honestly just getting started, right? It doesn't even start till Thanksgiving. So um, best way to con- kind of catch all of the different bets that everyone uh, here on the podcast, including Arjun, is placing. Uh, great community. Link is in our Twitter bios. Um, so you can go find it that way um, and, and join the Discord. And that way you won't miss out on anything uh, from uh, the week. But let's get into it with same game parlays. It is probably a favorite of the Discord community is what Judah does for same game parlays. If you are new to this, uh, there is such a thing as square same game parlays. You may be familiar with them. It's the ones where it's like, hey, thousands of people have placed this same game parlay for five random guys in a game to score a touchdown. Enjoy throwing your money away. Um, and then there is being thoughtful about narratives that um, actually have a, a thesis to them. And when one thing happens, another thing might be more lucky to hap- uh, more likely to happen. That is what Judah does. He does it better than anyone else. That's why he had an 80% uh, ROI on his same game parlays last year. And that doesn't even include the 150 to one, uh, one that he hit and uh, the other enormous one that didn't hit because someone took a knee uh, in a playoff game last year. So I digress. Judah, we're on to week nine. Um, take us through your first SGP angle. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna run it back with Houston. Uh, I feel like this is a spot I've been I've been going to a bunch, uh, but I think we've got kind of two angles here. Uh, we talk about quarterback traits and wanting to kind of attack specific quarterbacks in specific situations. Uh, CJ Stroud has some of the biggest splits from a clean pocket versus not. Uh, within a clean pocket, he's been a top five quarterback. Uh, you know, that mattered a lot because Houston, uh, especially when their offensive line was banged up, uh, was not generating clean pockets at all for Stroud. Uh, but against this Tampa Bay front, who's bottom five in quick pressure rate, uh, I think we should see plenty of clean pockets, which is a, a real area of success for Stroud. Uh, the second angle here is CJ Stroud has been terrific on deep passes. I think a lot of that is a function of uh, his receivers in Nico Collins and Tink Dell, who have both excelled in that area of the field. Uh, and a lot of deep passing is probably more influenced by receivers than it is quarterbacks. Uh, the Tampa Bay defense has been allowing explosive passes close to 10%. That is towards the very bottom of the league. Uh, and these two angles also build on each other because if you're going to have more time in the pocket, that allows you uh, the time for, for routes to develop to attack deep. Uh, so I, I think that also the market is really kind of clinging to a prior uh, and this is less about the same game parlay. I'm not exactly sure how the props are going to go uh, of this Tampa Bay defense being good. 
uh, kind of like a, a middle unit. And I think they're probably a, a bottom five one, at least by uh, most of the, the efficiency metrics that I've run. Uh, I'm going to be attacking that, uh, the clean the, the clean pocket angle and the explosive play ones, uh, building around the Houston passing offense. And the ball is going to go to Tank Dell and Nico Collins uh, with those guys healthy. I am willing to kind of overlook last week uh, and play the tails there. Is there anyone... Um either one of those receivers that you like more than the other, or are you kind of splitting a difference there? It's, it depends on pricing. Uh, I think if we get, uh, you know, like a, a 15 yard discrepancy between mm-hmm. Nico Collins and tank Dell, uh, I think I'm going to take tank Dell also because this angle is not trying to play the median. Uh, but if we're going to get an hundred yard day, uh, I think we'll probably, it's, it's equally likely to be one of those two guys because they're equally likely to catch one of those kind of mm-hmm. huge deep passes or a couple of them. Uh, I really just want to play the the one that has the furthest uh, on the you know pricing distribution. Whatever. So, so you'll play one or the other. You wouldn't play both in the same SGP, and you might create a couple variations. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I would create a couple variations. I don't think they're going to have enough passing volume yeah, such that both, both can hit. Uh, one interesting um, angle here to consider that I'm, I'm curious if you like is so let's say that you took Houston to to kind of win handily here through the past like say you took on minus six and a half current spread is minus three maybe minus seven and a half um, and then you included their run game has been pretty disastrous so if they're going to win by that amount perhaps you could get uh, and you know the book treating that as an inverse correlation and take an under with the, the running backs um, with a, a big win, especially because that's the strength of the Bucks defense. Um, so that I think would be an interesting one to look at, um, at when the prices come out. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'll just add one more to, to add to this. I also think there's a non-zero chance and kind of my fear here would be that Tampa Bay's offense is just so bad. Uh, and we like see the, I still think there's going to be some inevitable sack regression for Baker Mayfield, who has like the fourth best sack rate in the NFL. And that's way above his career average. Uh, Houston's also pretty good uh, on the defensive line. Uh, that Tampa Bay just doesn't run many plays. And if you can get like a Houston minus seven and a half and like an under Baker Mayfield pass attempts uh, or ad- other unders that the books will not have as correlated because they'll see the seven and a half and say, oh, Tampa Bay's in catch up mode. They have to throw a lot. Uh, that's another kind of way of, uh, building in an anti-correlation here. Baker's also not 100%. He's going to play, but they, they were talking about he's been dealing with, like a, I want to say, a knee. But he, he's mm. going to play, but he's not fully healthy right now. You'd love to see that. All right, where else are we going? Okay. Uh, alluded to this one earlier. Uh, it's going to be betting on Washington uh, against New England. I think one of the kind of main areas I'm trying to capitalize on with SGPs now is kind of Okay, we've moved on mostly from 2022 data. We have a, a big data set in 2023. And the question now is how do we kind of balance the things we've seen in the short term versus, and I mean like the last two to three weeks as teams kind of experiment with new things, how much of that is signal and how much of that can we try and project forward uh, hmm. onto the next bunch of weeks? Uh, this is a particularly interesting example because the uh, Washington kind of shifted uh, how they uh, were... Really, I think it was a function of uh, trying to pick up blitzes, uh, but they started to drop six, seven, eight guys uh, to protect Howell and just kind of 
give him a lot of time, only run three receivers. Uh, and I think that is a lot of the reason why Sam Howell took zero sacks last week. Uh, it was because they're max protecting and letting their receivers run open. This also meant that targets finally flowed to Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin because those were the guys running the routes. And mm-hmm. kind of one of the frustrating parts of uh, watching Washington early in the season was that like they were really spreading the ball around and not getting, and Sam Howell was not getting the ball to his best receivers. That all changed uh, when they started to max protect seven, eight guys. Uh, and they let Howell, they let, excuse me, they let Dotson and McLaurin run routes. All of that is to say, uh, I think there's probably some signal in the fact that Sam Howell uh, took zero sacks. I don't think he's going to be taking seven, eight sacks a game as he was early in the season. That's a huge difference in terms of kind of drives and offensive output. Uh, And I also think he's fully capable when given a lot of time uh, to throw downfield. This is a great matchup uh, for Washington against the New England front who plays a ton of man coverage. As you can see in front of you, uh, their cornerbacks are are not exactly the types of uh, defenders you want in man coverage. Uh, I think that Jahan Dotson uh, has a lot of the underlying numbers, which say he's due to uh, have some positive regression, especially when it comes to separation. Uh, He was terrific at the catch point last year. Uh, This is the sort of thing that's kind of fluky. I expect that to uh, kind of regress to the mean, and I think that's kind of uh, lowering his PFF grade as you see it. Uh, But all of this is to say we're getting a poor defensive line, uh, a secondary unit that plays a lot of man coverage, and the receivers have an advantage. We know Sam Howell can rip it. Uh, I think there is a structural change that Washington made to the offense that's going to enable them uh, to throw more efficiently. It's going to, I think, lead to increased target shares for McLaurin and Dotson. I'd be willing to bet both of them as opposed to Washington here because I think Sam Howell can, uh, you know, accumulate 40 passing yards with success, uh, 40 passing attempts, uh, and have a lot of success there. I'm going to be going uh, pretty heavy on the Washington passing offense here. Our guy Sam Howell. Where is he at, by the way, in uh, the passing yardage race? I believe he's effectively fourth now or fifth. Okay. I'm not sure because Kirk Cousins is uh, right. Is is done. And I mean, we talk about the defenses and super impacted, and they probably aren't to a degree. But I would hope he's throwing the ball even more now because yeah. his defense doesn't have edge rushers. Like it, it's probably the trade deadline probably helped our guy Sammy Sammy Howell in, in his passing yards category. I, I tweeted this out like. If you own one of those 101 tickets, you're feeling good. Like, by the way, if you were not a part of the podcast uh, and listenership in the offseason, you missed out because this was a Judah special uh, offseason prop. And so who's ahead of him right now? Is it um, – let me see if I can guess Mahomes. this. So Allen is ahead of him. Is uh, Herbert ahead of him? No. Allen Mahomes. And, no? and, and Arjun's favorite quarterback is the last one. Uh, Jared Goff. The other, the other favorite. Short Alabama guys, remember? Tua. There you go. Okay, so those are the, are those the three? Allen Mahomes and Tua? Allen Mahomes, Tua, and Goff. Oh, Goff too. Okay. And Goff. Okay. Although they're like 25 yards separating these guys. Uh, Tua's got a comfortable, a comfortable lead. Uh, I mean, but Tua, Tua's, Tua playing all the games this year would be an absolutely stunning uh, result, right? Um, that would be shocking if Tua plays all of them. I think the the big the, the ones that are going to be really tough, like Goff. You know that team doesn't have the hardest remaining schedule. They do love to run the ball, uh, especially when they're up big. 
So I think there's a pathway there for him to get out of him. I really think it's Allen and Mahomes who just doesn't matter. Their teams are going to throw the ball no matter what. And those guys are, you know, they're, they're absolute warriors. So it's going to be tough. But if you were sitting here and you said, I'm holding a hundred to one ticket with a guy who is in effectively fourth or fifth right now with a team that just traded their two best pass rushers, that's already throwing the ball more than anyone else. Like I would be ecstatic. And I am. <laughs> so shout out to you. Uh, any others that you like? Yeah, I've got one more. Uh, and Brad, maybe this is injury related that we did not discuss. I think Miami is expecting three offensive linemen back uh, this week. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, I think Armstead, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I think Armstead uh, might play, not guarantee, but go ahead. Either way, uh, the way to beat the Chiefs uh, is to attack them on the ground. Uh, they're actually, I think, 0.2 EPA worse. Uh, first the rush and then first the pass and almost everyone is a lot worse this i'm sorry let's turn on the sensor here um the uh the dolphins i think their their run game kind of sputtered as the offensive line uh was you know missing guys uh and that's coming back those guys are all coming back excuse me uh i expect miami and i i think that if we see kind of a lower scoring game script uh, right now, the total is at 50 and a half. I would not be shocked to see Miami trying to lean on the ground uh, where they, I think they will have success uh, against the Chiefs run unit, which is very easy uh, to run against. Uh, maybe betting some, I'm not sure. It really depends on, on how much juice we can get uh, if we take some unders. Uh, but I am will definitely be, be looking to attack uh, Miami alt overs, uh, kind of parlaying that with a game script, which sees fewer points uh, on each side of the ball. Real quick on that one, too. Uh, injuries on the other side of the ball. Willie Gay might not play for Kansas City. So they're already down Nick Bolton, who's probably the, one of the best run-defending linebackers in the league. Uh, Gay is a good sideline-to-sideline player. They still do have Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil. But, uh, yeah, that's the, the run defense even worse as it's presently constructed than you know the season-long numbers. And, and to your point around unders, the defense got a lot healthier uh, this week as well. So Xavier Howard has not had the best season, but we know that he is a – uh, throughout his career can put up really good numbers when healthy. And they got the number one safety in the league back right in Javon Holland. Um, and, uh, and that makes it, I think a big difference, not that you were worried about the chiefs throwing the ball deep with any sort of success because their receivers are completely inept. Um, but um, it makes it just that much harder. Um, all right. Before uh, we get into the lock of the week, it is time to pay some bills. It's the favorite. It's everyone's favorite part. Uh, of the entire podcast, which is where I do uh, reads to tell you about great things for you to purchase to make your life better. And I will start with something that you may want to invest in after all the candy that you and your family may have picked up, which is quality term life insurance. Sugar is a killer. Okay. So if you're, in, you're enjoying your life, you're eating a lot of sugar, make sure you're protecting your family as well. Um, go to Western and Southern, uh, sorry, not Western Southern, Fabric. It's M2E's, M E E T. Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C, Fabric by Gerber Life is the quickest and easiest way to protect your family without having to spend hours and hours doing a bunch of research and all this crap. Spend 10 minutes at that website. You'll get a quality, quote, low price without talking to anybody. In 10 minutes, you'll be ready to rock and roll. Then you can go back to stuffing your face with candy or in our case, betting a ton of bets in week nine. Uh, so go to M-E-E-T, Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast and get yourself started today. 
Also, uh, prize picks. And we've talked about them a few times before on this podcast it's because we love them. Prize picks makes it super easy to get involved in all of the action. Here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com slash PFF. Actually, in this case, slash forecast. We have our own special link because we're cool like that. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash forecast. And then in any sport that you want, there's still baseball going on. Obviously, basketball is getting rolling and the NFL, uh, which this podcast will talk about. Uh, and you can pick up to six players, between two and six players, um, and pick their over or under in fantasy points or uh, combinations of different stack categories. And then depending on how many you get right, you can get paid up to 25x your money. So we're going to talk about a ton more games that we like. Obviously, Judah already talked about a few with the Texans and the um, uh, the Dolphins and his Washington Commanders. So you can go bet those uh, on prize picks. It's daily fantasy technically, so you're in good shape regardless of where you live, which is fantastic for all the people out there. So go to prizepicks.com slash forecast. Use forecast for a uh, first deposit re uh, refund of that's what it's called, um, of $100 when you make your first deposit. Um, let me check what that is actually supposed to be. A first deposit match. There you go. I want to make sure I use the correct terminology so I don't get sued. Uh, and last but not least, this is one that I don't need to read to tell you all about. It is Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Promo code PFF gets you 20% off plus free shipping. We all use the product. I've used it for a very, very long time. Uh, the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is out. Each one that they come out with is a step change in improved design and quality. And this one is the same way. Uh, it's, uh, it gives you an even closer uh, cut. It feels even safer. It lasts even longer. Um, and so you will be in great shape this holiday season as you wear all of the ugly sweaters that you can possibly find uh, and put up with all of your family knowing that you look and feel good with the lawnmower 5.0. You don't want all that extra body hair on you. Uh, when it is warm outside or warm inside and you've got all that clothing on. So go to manscaped.com and use promo code PFF to get 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped. Made it through. And by the way, guys, you didn't see this, but I couldn't really see the screen. So I was just doing this all off the top of the dome. Uh, that's why I had that one little slip up there. But it's like, you know, catching a snap, not actually finding the laces, but still getting the ball out on time is the way that I would put it. You had to battle through adversity, and you did it. Always. All right, let's get into it. It's lock of the week time. We go around the horn. We talk about our favorite bets, and we pick our favorites at the very end to be locks of the week. Brad, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I'll start with one that you guys probably won't agree with. Uh, maybe we can mm. talk about it a little bit and then not pick it, but I'm going to start with there anyway. So there is an offense in this league that is uh, fourth in converting drives into points, that is fourth in yards per play, second in yards per drive. Uh, they are – Fifth in EPA per play. They are fourth in EPA per drop back. And their look-ahead line for this upcoming game in Germany moved from minus 5.5 to minus 1.5, even though their defense is light years better than I expected and many expected. I know this is the Miami Dolphins podcast. I know they just got a bunch of players back on both sides of the ball. I'm fading a four-point move on a pre-look-ahead pre line uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs against Miami. I, I, I don't. I respect Miami. I don't respect them from five and a half to one and a half just because Kansas City is a is a woeful six and two with a top five offense in every metric you can find. Not to mention the the Dolphins. Um, I mean, they, they have beaten and covered against bad teams, right? 
um, and they have lost and gotten kind of manhandled by the real teams that they played. I mean, look at the schedule, right? Like they, they played the Chargers, they played the Patriots twice. They, they played the Denver Broncos. They got the crap kicked out of them by the Bills. They beat the Giants, they beat the Panthers, and they beat the Patriots again um, and, and lost to the Eagles. So like legitimately, they have not beaten a, a, a decent team. Judah, what say you? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Dolphins truther uh, through and through. Uh, I think the way I'm, I'm looking at this from kind of like a macro view is that the way you get to Chiefs minus, well, now it's one and a half, but the way you get to the Chiefs being favored here is you have to say that their defense is far better than the Dolphins, which I think is true. But I don't think the defense in this matchup against the Dolphins is that much better because like it's not a 50-50 clash of just like take the average of how good Miami is and how good KC is. Uh, Miami, with the exception of uh, one Sunday night game against uh, the Chargers, has basically had an above average or better offense in every single game of the Tua Tagovailoa, Mike McDaniel era. I just don't see a way that the Chiefs are going to really slow down. Uh, my and I think there are a ton of question marks. I really the the case here for me is that like I think Miami's defense is like way better than the what they've put together. Uh, Jalen Ramsey coming back is huge. I think on two fronts, really three actually. Uh, number one, uh, you make Xavier Howard way better uh, covering number two guys. You push Cater Kohu into the slot where he's far better. Uh, and then you also have Jalen Ramsey. So in some way, you're like making three positions better. I also, maybe I'm just like really turning into like Dolphins Homer, just like going all out, but why not? Uh, the defensive line is sneakily really, really good right now. Uh, Christian Wilkins is having a terrific year uh, with Jalen Phillips finally back. Bradley Chubb's even grading out pretty well. Uh, I think this is a sneaky, really good unit uh, projecting forward with a defensive coordinator uh, who maybe the league has kind of adjusted to a bit, but still is someone uh, I certainly trust. Uh, I think there are a lot of reasons to buy the Dolphins in ways that are not just, oh, their offense is way better than everyone else. Uh, and that's kind of the angle that's holding me back. But I hear it. Like I feel like if, if you would have told me that I'd be like making this argument against the Chiefs, I would have told you I'm crazy. So I, I understand no. that. I agree 100%. The defense is better than their metrics so far this season, pretty comfortably. Um, and like you said, just added a bunch of pieces back. I just, I don't know. I don't see them winning the game, and it's basically what the spread is at this point. But anyway, I kind of more just wanted to stoke the flame and have that conversation. But I wonder if Ramsey, you know, because there are no receivers that are even worth his time, if they put him on Kelsey. I, I, I'm sure they will, yeah. Which um, – I think it makes sense. And and we've seen what this offense looks like. If you even somewhat limit Travis Kelsey, um, it's just a tough spot because yeah, they, they're, uh, you know, you look at the grades for the dolphins. They're great. Um, they've, you know, amassed them in some games that, that obviously, um, you know, have not been against the, the greatest competition and have failed to really put it together in, in the games that, Granted, we're on the road. Now, what I don't totally understand about this game is whether or not there is going to be a large Chiefs contingent. My gut would tell me that it would be. So it's technically a Chiefs home game. And I believe what that means is that the Chiefs are able to sell more tickets. I think <laughs> that maybe someone in the chat can, can check me on this, but I believe that is the benefit that you get. And so uh, that combined with the Chiefs having a much larger fan base uh, and having had more success recently, my I would tend to lean towards it being a pretty pro Chiefs 
fan base. And we have seen the Dolphins not look great with motions. I've talked about this a lot with how Tyreek Hill said they've actually struggled with their, their kind of uh, during snap motion uh, when they've been on the road because of the fan noise. So I do kind of like that, that angle. Um, okay. We've talked about that game enough. Judah, where do you want to go next? I'm going to, I'm going to start with the teaser. I want to tease Seattle uh, to 11 and a half. Uh, and I want to tease tomorrow night, the, mm. uh, the Titans to eight and a half. I think you'd be hard. I, the thought of Pittsburgh covering a 10 point spread to me is uh, a little bit, a little bit crazy considering how bad this offense has been uh, just completely unable to incapable, excuse me, of, of generating uh, any offensive success consistently. Uh, I think this is a surprisingly uh, better Tennessee pass defense. I think they're towards the middle of the pack this year as opposed to being uh, closer to the bottom in previous years. I just don't see a way that Pittsburgh covers with margin. I think Tennessee's got to have some sort of offensive upgrade with well Le- with Will Levis. There's plenty of uncertainty there. Uh, and perhaps that game against Atlanta was uh, a bit, you know, fluky. But all of which is to say, I think it is certainly certainly better than Malik Willis. Uh, and I think even there's more upside than, than Ryan Tannehill. But I just don't see a way that Pittsburgh is going to, you know, put up the 24, 28 points uh, required to cover this. On the second front here, Ooh, I mean, my, my hottest take, uh, I, I think Baltimore is, is kind of fraudulent. Uh, I think a lot of their defensive success is propped up by the fact that they have played an incredibly easy slate of opposing quarterbacks. They had a dominant win against Detroit. I think that was kind of their 95th percentile performance and not the kind of 70th to 75th that the market wants to believe. Uh, Seattle's defense over the last five or six weeks has been really terrific. Uh, I don't think that's kind of just like, oh, let's cherry pick this small sample size. Uh, Devon Witherspoon's getting more snaps. Uh, they're getting a lot healthier. The defensive line just added uh, Leonard Williams, which which should help on the margins. I don't think that's kind of just like a, a fluky uh, thing. This is what happens when defenses get healthy and some of their younger players get better. Uh, the Ravens offense, by my numbers, are like a 50th to 55th percentile offense. Uh, I think that you know, especially getting the points there. That is way too big a spread for the Ravens to cover. You know, I, I, this should tell you how much we love Judah on this podcast, that we didn't throw him off for submitting a teaser that is not a long teaser. Um, That's how much respect I have for you as a, uh, as a better of football games. I love the Seahawks. And we talked about this on Sunday, getting six, like, you look at the schedule from from the Ravens, and I would tend to agree with you. Like you, you look at who they have played, and by the way, when they played the Bengals, Joe Burrow was playing on one leg. Um, they played the Browns with Desh- was it Deshaun Watson was with PJ Walker. It doesn't matter. That, Dorian Thompson guys. Robinson. Yeah, complete garbage. Um, they, they got the great Kenneth Pickett. They lost that game, by the way. Um, they they played the the amazing Ryan Tannehill, um, and they got Emily Jared Goff. Uh, you know, out uh, outdoors. It, but I think we got to be careful. And the way that I would put this, Judah, is that the Ravens are underperforming the level of play that they're getting from Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar, and, and that actually worries me a little bit because if Lamar Jackson were playing this well, I would expect the team to be doing better than this. But you look at their receivers, like Zay Fowler is the only one that has over a 70 PFF grade. Um, Mark Andrews hasn't gotten a huge amount of, of target share here i do think that that the seahawks have some strength over the middle of the field and they have played better um 
So I, I just like the six. I got to be honest with you. But can you can you tell me mathematically kind of why you like going from six out to um, out, out to eleven and a half? Well, you're getting through seven and ten. Uh, it's not as if you're not going through key numbers there. Uh, it's also just like that. That's kind of the, the math side of it. But also thinking about uh, right, these are real points in a in a game here. Uh, what the Ravens would need to do to cover effectively two touchdowns. Uh, and I, I just don't see it happening based on how well their offense is playing. Uh, and Seattle's going to put up some points, right? They're, they're not a, a completely inept offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the conditional, if they are going to win the game uh, or if they are going to lose the, not cover the spread, right? So if you condition on them, not covering the spread, there's so many ways that you lose by more than six points where that gets out to, you know, 11, 12, something like that. And that's traditionally why the Wong teaser is focused on those games where the spread is low enough that if you're teasing the underdog, you're taking an underdog that's a short underdog where, you know, conditional on them not covering the spread, it's still a close game, right? And so I think here where I, you know, where I, where I will disagree with you a bit is in the situation where the Seahawks don't cover against a Ravens team that has either kind of put it together or been not great. I think there are too many paths where that's a outsized, you know, great game for the Ravens or a really terrible game uh, for the Seahawks. Anyways, this is disagreement corner this week, which is great. Um, good. I will go next. Uh, what I have been talking about, uh, talking myself into and which we talked about on uh, on Sunday night is our Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, the Cincinnati Bengals are now a two-point favorite. I think many of you would go, oh, he's going to tease the Bills. No, I want to remind you what this game looked like uh, in Buffalo last year. This is a great matchup for Burrow and that receiving core. I know that Rasul Douglas, that's a great pickup. I think it takes him maybe a game or two to get it figured out. They are missing Matt Milano. That is a huge loss for them. Joe Burrow, if I told you five weeks ago that when Burrow and the Bengals played Allen and the Bills, Burrow would be by far the healthier quarterback, you would have laughed at me. But he is by far the healthier quarterback. He looks awful. Jamar Chase is going to toast this this secondary. Um, I I like the Bengals here. Less than a field goal at home. Um, they, They looked fantastic, I think. You know, the, the Niners at home doesn't matter how well they're playing. That is always a tough game to win. I think they're coming into this better position. And I think the kicker for me here is that uh, I, I like what Lou Anarumo will be able to do here versus what I think that the Bills will be able to do defensively. A lot more just dyna- uh, dynamism with that defense. Um, and I think that that proves to be uh, a key difference. So uh, I like Bengals minus two. Yeah, no, I like that one. Also, shout out Bill's PR on the injury report today. They put Rasul Douglas mm-hmm. did not practice, just got here. So it was like ankle, knee, just got here, <laughs> like a bunch of other. So anyway, yeah, I don't even know if he plays, much less is up to full speed. Um, so, yeah, I like that one for sure. I'm going to go back to the well. The only prop I like so far, that's a lie. I have another one I like. Anyway, we had, a, we had a sack prop we liked last week. Our guy Charles Mena, who came through. Arden Key tomorrow night for the Tennessee Titans playing the Pittsburgh Steelers has been lining up so far this season almost exclusive, not primarily over the left tackle of the opponent. The left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dan Moore, has the second worst pass block rate in the NFL among tackles. If you look at Timo's chart he puts out on Twitter where it actually context adjusts, 
the difficulty of the assignment, and then the raw PFF pass blocking grade in each each thing. Dan Moore is the worst tackle in the NFL. He's like almost breaks the chart. Look at so, this pass block grade. It's like a 29, I think, right? 20, yeah. tw not even. 28.9. Yeah, it's bad. So, um, And he got dinged up but is still expected to start. They, they, they trade up in the first round for Broderick Jones, who looked good in his one start, and I don't think he's going to start. So even if he does, I like Broderick Jones, but pass protection as a rookie is, is going to be his, his weak spot. Um, Arden Key's been playing really, really good football. The Titans still have a lot of sim pressures, move guys around, do different things. And I think you're going to see more attention given to Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, maybe even Harold Landry to a degree. And I think Arden Key plus 150 to go over a quarter sack in this game. I don't love that Kenny Pickett has the rib injury and maybe just throws the ball in the dirt every single drop back. But if we get a bad script here and they need to come from behind, um, I think he's going to have to hold on to the ball. It's just unavoidable. Uh, so I like Arden Key over a quarter sack plus 150 here. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go to Cam Akers under 29 and a half uh, rushing mm. yards. Uh, this is a guy who, with the exception of the game against San Francisco, hasn't seen more than 25% of the snaps. He's going up against the Atlanta Falcons, who are the number one uh, rush EPA with a quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it's Josh Jobs. I don't know, whatever. Or Jared it's Hall. Jaron Hall, the rookie. <laughs> yeah, Jaron Hall. I don't exactly expect this to be a, uh offense that is sustaining very many drives. Certainly not one that's going to be playing most of their game from a lead, which is, I think, the exact game script Cam Akers needs. Uh, and I'm not exactly worried about the, you know, four carries or five carries he gets uh, breaking a, a big one, considering Cam Akers is uh, among the worst running backs in basically any metric uh, and is going up against the number one uh, defense in rushing PA. I like that one. I dig it. Brad, you're up next. You're skipping yourself? I thought it's you. Oh, is it me? Yeah, yeah. Well, you switched That's the video. Right. For yeah, Sorry, I, I get too into the defense. doesn't matter sometimes. Um, okay. I'm a glutton for punishment, but I'm buying in on Antonio Pierce. Okay. Um, Compton guy from California. Now, he may not be a great long-term option. I will tell you what. The difference in attitude and how that locker room is going to be from him to Josh McDaniels, about as big a difference as you are going to find. I mean, it, it like it's from stale bread to like a boombox is what we're going from. And there is a particular player that I think needs to be happy and is probably going to be happy with the fact that Josh McDaniels is no longer there. A player who we've actually seen not be happy previously and what has happened the next game, and that is Devontae Adams. When he was not happy the last time, I believe he got seven targets in the first series. Okay, he has a 19 target game already this year, and he is playing a Giants team that does not have an outside cornerback with a grade that ranks better than 90th. So in addition to that, they are going to blitz Aiden O'Connell, I think, a bunch. And I would be stunned, I would be stunned if the refrain is not, we're going to put Devontae Adams wherever he needs to be so that he is the hot guy for Aiden O'Connell and we are going to feed this dude. Like, if he doesn't get 20 targets in this game, there is something wrong. So I actually like the receptions prop, I think, more in this game. Um, by the way, if Jimmy G had just, like, happened to not be a complete moron, we're not even talking about Devontae Adams being mad because he has two, you know, 60-plus yard touchdowns. 
So like, I, I think even in the bad, my point is even in the really crappy offense, he should have had good games. Um, and, and I think that they will really change things up and, and focus on Adam. So I'm going back to the well. I don't know if there's a number out there yet. I didn't see it earlier today uh, when I was looking for it, maybe because of the, uh, the, the quarterback confusion. But I like Adams. I think maybe it'll be six and a half, maybe even as low as five and a half. Uh, and I really like the over in receptions there. I'm going to stick with that same topic. Uh, the over, C.D. Lamb, 6.5 receptions. I'm seeing plus 102, plus 105 range. The Eagles have our fifth worst grade against players lined up in the slot. They've allowed the second most receptions in the entire NFL to players lined up in the slot. Yeah, they tra- they, get, they get Kevin Byer. They're, they're getting better, getting healthier uh, on defense in the secondary. But that, that's been a weak spot. It's still a weak spot. It's probably going to be... Um, Eli Ricks or you know I don't think we're gonna get James Bradbury back in there I think they're gonna keep those guys out wide CD's been getting fed as he should the last two weeks 12 catches seven catches the last two weeks this is gonna be you know a game where they're gonna have to score move the football I love CD Lamb over six and a half receptions in this game Judah you're muted that's a it's tough it's, one. it's it's the I, it's the I, late Irish. Uh, you're in Ireland right now. Very late. That is a, that is a tough, tough, tough look. The last one I am going to go with is Patrick Mahomes over 26 and a half rushing yards. Uh, this is a number he's cleared in all but two games this year, uh, including last week where he he missed that by by five yards, uh, six yards. Excuse me. Um, Patrick Mahomes is scrambling a lot more. Uh, than he has in previous years. I think a lot of that is a, a function of the fact that the Chiefs are not generating as much separation. He's trying to buy time. Uh, he's fully healthy, which is important because uh, I think a lot of this number is building on a median uh, sample size in which Patrick Mahomes was dealing with some sort of injury. Um, and even if you just take a look at this matchup, uh, as we talked about, this uh, Dolphins defensive line is kind of sneakily good, uh, especially when healthy right now. Uh, there's certainly the narrative of, you know, uh, Mahomes runs in these big games. This is a, a game with the, uh, you know, AFC's number one seed on the line. Uh, you're getting this at plus money. Uh, it's a number he's cleared most of the time this season. Everything kind of sets up for Mahomes to, to scramble here. I really like this one. I think this might be my, my favorite one. And, it, and one of the reasons that I really, really like it is I'm very interested to see what Fangio does with Kelsey. So you have that combination of a decent pass rush, perhaps the ability to put a Jalen Ramsey on, on Travis Kelsey. And look, the confidence that Mahomes has throwing to those receivers, it's honestly tough to watch, man. Like I, I, I feel like every time he throws to a receiver, he's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> you know, like I have to throw to one of these guys. So um, I think continuing to take off, I mean, Judy, you've written this piece. Everyone should read it uh, on PFF.com, but talks about the stability of play under pressure, you know, what things are stable. And it is, it is that it is a, a quarterback's true scrambling ability. Mahomes is better at that than anybody else. It's, it's literally like a different planet. Um, I think it's, it's honestly, it's the thing that makes him so good. So many of those plays where you go, Oh my God, I can't believe he made that throw. It's really, I can't believe he got to that throw. And that also manifests itself in so many things that he does running the football uh, and that'll only happen more because there are less opportunities for him to make that throw, right, when he scrambles. So I think uh, you set that up um, pretty perfectly. Uh, I have one more. Um, it's back to the Dallas-Philadelphia game. I 
think this is a terrible matchup for the Cowboys. And um, while I'm a little concerned about Travis Kelsey's health, here's the thing. This is this might even be a worse matchup for the Cowboys than the Niners were. And, and here's why. This offensive line for the Eagles is better. And the, the Cowboys have dominated in games where their offensive line has an opportunity to just win and win really, really well. And Mylotta and Lane Johnson, you brought this up, I think Judah, or actually maybe it was you, Brad, that Timo does this kind of um, yeah. what you're asked to do adjusted metric for uh, offensive tackles. And so what that does is take into account how good the tackle is based on the situation they're put in. You know, do they get help? Are they facing a good pass rusher? Mylotta and Johnson are like, two of the top five <laughs> tackles in the NFL. I mean, it is super impressive. And so you think about trying to slow Parsons down. And then I know Deron Bland has been great, but man, AJ Brown has been better. And so I think this is a really poor matchup. Um, I, I love obviously what CD lamb can do, but um, I think I'm buying into, to the Eagles kind of being able to put it together here. I know it's three, um, but, but I do like the, the Eagles. I'd say it's probably my least favorite though of the group. Um, so let's, let's talk about it. I'll, I'll put, I just said it. My favorite one, honestly, is the Mahomes rushing prop. I absolutely love that. Um, I got one last one before we jump yeah. in. Um, is uh, it, it ties in Jews' narrative? So it, I, th I think I like it even more. Uh, it is the Houston Texans minus two and a half against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the specifically the matchup with Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Judah also puts out uh, a graphic he just put out a couple hours ago about uh, grading receivers both on separation, but also their ability at the catch point and after the catch. So a couple of reasons here. So first of all, I mean, Houston is ninth in converting drives into points. Ten, the Tampa Bay is 24th. They're 29th in success rate overall. Um, they're not a good offense. Baker's not fully healthy. I don't think they're going to score a ton of points against a D'Amico Ryan's unit that's going to sit back in zone, not let them, let them hit some of those explosive plays, and just kind of keep everything in front of them. And I actually kind of like, to a degree, Houston's run defense is not very good. The Buccaneers might be the worst running team in the NFL, but they might get a couple four-yard carries that make them feel confident and then try to run the ball maybe even more. Um, but back to the flip side, this, this Buccaneers defensive line has been causing problems for teams, and it's why they've been keeping scores way down. The Texans' fully healthy offensive line, I know they didn't play well last week across the board, but should be able to mitigate that. And then you have two great yards after the catch guys that I think – Again, Todd Bowles also likes to sit back in zone, but they're going to force missed tackles. They're going to break off some big gainers. Uh, I just trust that team on both sides of the ball way more. Uh, so, yeah, last pick there is Texans minus two and a half, but also Judah's SGP. I think playing the tail, I like even more, frankly, than, than just taking a you know a straight-up bet. Yeah, I like yes. that one also a lot. Where would you rank that? Any others that come to mind for you, Judah? Uh, I have to say, I really like my Cam Akers under. Mm. Uh, Me too. I, that was that was my favorite one of yours. <laughs> yeah. Cam, the Cam Akers under is is a great one. Uh, the Arden Key sack prop. Um, I continue to believe the sack props props are a big edge. Um, I just you, you're telling me that that number was made with anywhere near the analysis that Brad just gave you, and you're on crystal meth. So, <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, there's just no way. Um, so I, I like that one. Um, I'm trying to think of, of uh, the others. I mean, I do. I think of the ones that I put forward, uh, I probably feel strongest, um, strongest about our Bengals. I was um, going to say the same thing. So, yep. I do like that. Now, there could be a way to play that, you know, either with a chase 
uh, over. I know in the playoffs, that was the way that we played it last year, um, Chase and, and, uh, and the Bengals. Um, so I can get on board with either of those. Um, yeah. I like Maybe even like a – go ahead, go ahead. No, that's, that's it. All right, so we got Cam Akers under, Mahomes over. I also do like, just throw it in there, I really, I, I agree with the narrative of the game going in, in Philly's direction, but I do love the CeeDee Lamb one too, but anyway. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, if it goes in, in what, what, what is, uh, see, it's six and a half. Six and a half plus 102 plus 105, depending on the book. And yeah, Philly against slot, slot receivers has been yeah. dreadful. Bottom five grade, second most receptions. All right. Arden Key. Uh, CD Lamb and our Bengals. Yep, and then Pat Mahomes, Cam Akers, and that's yeah. a, a five pack. Yeah, it's a five pack. That's what that is. All I right. feel this is us turning the corner on the locks of the week. I feel good about this. Famous last words. I'll be in an absolute pit of misery on on Sunday, no doubt about it. Sunday, we will be back after Bengals Bills, as we always are. We started the podcast uh, like start of the second half last week because the game was so bad. I don't think we'll have to do that, but no. was a huge jinx, huge jinx right there. Yeah, someone's Bill's winning. Bills Bengals can walk down to the wire. <laughs> what you say? It's got to be a good game here. We deserve a good game because uh, because guess what? We're gonna get Jets Raiders the following week. Oh. so we deserve one. Uh, Please thanks call so much for at NBC George and try to get yeah. that flexed out. Just make all the calls, all the favors you have in the in your back pocket. <laughs> I am going to get to the bottom of why that didn't get flexed out because it did seem like there were some options there. Um, but there's always politics behind them. Yeah. Behind I mean, it, the right? Jets TV ratings. Jet. So that's it. I tweeted this out. If you look yeah. at the highest uh, rated games so far this year, the, the most predictive variable, if you will, is that the Jets are in the games. Uh, they have the most of the top five games. They're in the most top five games, obviously just because they have played good teams slash they were in a game where Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be playing. So um, that that is why. Um, maybe the Antonio Pierce thing. Maybe that was something that uh, they they were excited about. It'll be about. interesting. It'll be a fun topic, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Great AOC. AOC, always a big drop. All right, that's our podcast. We love you all. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you on Sunday. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.